Welcome to the Andy Higgs Podcast, the one with Paul Field. Hello everybody, welcome to the Andy Higgs Podcast. Wonderful to have you with us. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, whatever time you're listening. Today we are here with Paul Field. Paul, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Lovely to speak to you. Oh, lovely to have you. Now, Paul, um, our listeners won't necessarily know, some will, some won't, uh, who you are, where you're from, what you've been up to, what you're doing now, what you've done in the past. Obviously, they're going to guess that you've been involved in education. Uh, um, but, Paul, start us off with, what's your story? Who are you? Where have you been? What have you been up to? And leading up to where you are now. Okie dokie. Um, well, I'm sort of a fairly ordinary guy my early 50s I um, grew up in Oxford mainly um, left school at 16 I had a go at A-levels but realised it wasn't really for me so I left without any of that malarkey um, ended up living in Denmark for about five years in the late 80s early 90s um, came back went to Westminster College in Oxford before it was Oxford Brooks um, ended up becoming a teacher worked in West Berkshire uh, Tottenham and then, uh, so West Oxfordshire to start with, Tottenham, West Berkshire, then since about 2000, worked in six or seven schools, I think it was, ultimately becoming head teacher for eight years, which um, now nearly three years ago, I um, chose to do something different with my time and my life. Um, and I work as an independent sort of consultant trainer. I do a lot of stuff on positivity, positive psychology, happiness, well-being, that sort of area. And also I work with an American foundation that works on tech integration on global collaboration projects. So I've got a nice mixed up and exciting life to be living. Goodness me. Well, so, well uh, that, that's, um, that's quite a range of stuff there. I mean, I think um, over that period, what, is there something that my, my sort of question to is uh, listeners who've listened before will know is uh, is about your professional hedgehog. What, 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 over that period, is there something, whether it be from the classroom to school leadership into consultancy, uh, that you would say is your one thing that you, well, you know, while not, we, you know, world class, I mean, what, although one might have something that's world class, what, what's your one thing that you think, do you know what, actually, I'm really good at that and, I, and I've used it well throughout my time in education? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think used, going to the, the sort of the, you know, the fox and the hedgehog uh, parable or whatever it is, the sort of the, where, where the idea comes from. I think I'm slightly more foxy on uh, on a lot of days that I tend to be sort of got my snap into lots of different business. But uh, there's, there's, there's hedgehog stuff. I'm guessing, I don't know if I might go in. I think there's one element that's been consistent throughout it, and it's um, the, my attempts to bring a sort of a compassion, humanity. I don't know what the word is really, but... The human side of me to whatever it is that um, that I'm that I'm trying to do that to that an ability to step out of my own experience and try and live for a short while in the experience of the person that I'm that I'm working with, whether that's a kid or a parent or a colleague. Um, I think that was um, that's something that's I've tried to make part of my core package, if you like, and I've always tried to be consistent with that one. There, um, I don't know if that's the right one or whether it's this um, and a, a persistent attempt to make it fun I think when I was a kid I I um I don't know I, I always tried to 
every chore I had to do, I kind of seemed to end up turning it into a game. So, so I'm quite excited about this sort of this modern thing of gamification. But I think a lot of us have been doing it all the time, and I think that sort of it helped being, in a certain way, the mentality of a like an eight year old. That was quite, that was quite <laughs> useful being a head teacher in a primary school because actually, uh, you know, um, I wanted it to be fun as well. And whilst not everybody would agree that it always worked, um, I'd say that yeah. So a uh, uh, humane funster. How about that? That's my special. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, that, that, that no nonsense because ultimately um, there's that authenticity in the, uh, there and 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 you know if you if you can't be having fun uh, in what you're doing and uh, yeah. uh, then you know it's going to be it's going to be bloody hard work. Yes, yeah, so and I it, think really? this is a, a, a much broader sort of point about where schools and curriculum and stuff are going um that you know i think there's the lament of many of our colleagues that uh a lot of the the, the, the sort of the freedom the creativity and the, ultimately the fun is taken out of it and who's ever learned something because they were made to and you know and who's you know i would argue that people have always uh learned things improved and become better versions of themselves because they wanted to and, and humans instinctively want to play and have fun so yeah, but I think we just need to be clear that because there are more the traditionalist thinkers that might say, yeah, well, it's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be, life's supposed to be hard work. Yeah, you need commitment and effort and focus and stamina, but actually you are allowed to enjoy it at the same time. And, and calling something fun isn't, a, isn't you know, an F word. It's a, it's, a, it's a proper, important and valuable word that should be at the heart of, of all our lives, but particularly um, those of, of kids in schools. And I think ultimately, um, there's you know people probably couldn't argue against the fact that we you know the observation that happy kids learn best. Yes, absolutely, and of course that's you know a, a lot of what I'm talking with schools about um, with my positive psychology and happiness hat on. Um, that you know you're not just teaching kids how to sort of you know giggle and, and make jokes. You're actually you know be kind and not fight on the playground. Actually, you're teaching them how to put themselves in the best position to learn and I've always you know throughout my career whether I knew I was doing it or not I've instinctively realized that if you create the right emotional uh, environment in your classroom and in your in your, your your school actually the kids kind of the learning just happens you know you don't have to be that clever at, at uh, you know whatever the stuff is with you know, literacy and and uh, grammar punctuation all that sort of stuff I don't I was never taught that um and not saying it's not important but I would argue that it's maybe not important for seven-year-olds but that's a different question but if you're happy and you're relaxed and you're comfortable in your relationships you will learn better absolutely it's a non, non-brainer mm-hmm. okay Paul so there you are emerging from your teenage years and uh, heading and enjoying life in in Denmark and then yeah. heading back to the UK and to, to the mothership that is Oxford. Um, what's the one thing you wish you'd known when you began your career in education? One thing I would have known, probably, I think how bad it was going to get. And I, that sounds really negative, but it, but it isn't. And it isn't to say that, well, if I knew that education, people who know me will already know people who don't will pick up rather quickly already by now I'm guessing that I'm not a fan of modern education and current schools um and but it's got a lot worse since the the early 90s when I started it has got a lot worse and I'm not saying that I wish I'd known that because I wouldn't have bothered getting involved I think I'm saying it because I would have known that I needed to fight harder sooner to stop it happening 
So I think, yeah, if there was one thing I, I would have known, um, it would be uh, how bad it was going to get and how hard I would need to fight. Okay. <laughs> and, and I think that's interesting, isn't it? Because um, you, you know, never underestimate. I mean, as you, as you begin the career, I think you can have um, not, not rose-tinted spectacles on, but you've got this sense that, that um, this, you know, perhaps an awareness, perhaps if I could rephrase it, that, that there will be some obstacles that actually, do you know what, you probably do need to push back against. Yes. And, um, yeah, I think there's a certain reality. And I, I had the, what I think was an advantage of going uh, through the college system for four years as, you know, in my mid to late 20s. So I sort of, you know, um, had a bit of life experience to draw on. So I had some sort of reality in there. It wasn't a shock to me that there were, and, you know, in, in the, say the early 90s, there were frustrations. It was a time when, you know, the, the we all had about 12, 16 different folders for the curriculum and, and that sort of stuff. And the national curriculum was just coming in, at, you know, as I was sort of starting off on my journey. So, you know, it was, it was a difficult time then. And colleagues who had been in the business for a long time were struggling at that point. So I wasn't unaware that it was going to, there were going to be difficult days. And, and, and I, I think I need to clarify at this point. I'm not, when I say I'm not a fan of schools and all the rest of it and how bad it's got, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not having a go at teachers. I'm having a go at the bigger system that they struggle within um, and deserve better from. So I'm, I want to be clear that I'm not having a go at teachers because I think, you know, um, that, that can be that a misinterpretation of what I'm saying that, um, you know, but yeah, I, I knew it was going to be, it was going to be difficult and challenging. I knew it was going to be great. And as it did turn out to be, I just didn't know just how, much of a grip the negative sides of the system would get on all of us and that was something that had we been a bit fiercer uh 15-20 years ago maybe we could have uh staved off a little bit and made life better for for teachers in schools and ultimately then obviously the kids that are um have got no choice about turning up there Teachers have got a choice. They don't have to do it. Kids don't. They seem to get pushed into it. So we, they deserve us to make it better than it is. <laughs> okay. Well, so, no, no, not at all. I think ultimately what I heard there, Paul, was that was well, by hook or by crook, uh, whatever way you decide you want it to be, you've got to fight for it. And because what's most important is the kids. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's a really twee you know, cliche that people can sort of try out, oh, I'm doing it for the children. Um, but actually, we can get away from that negative interpretation. I and mean, actually, that is why we do it. You know, it is what we're, what we're there for. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking sometimes to see what... Um, I know that teachers know it's not right, some of the stuff that they get caught up with, but they have kind of got uh, into a, a, a pretty helpless situation. Um, and where they're yeah, yeah, way out, and they're yeah. tied into going along with it because they kind of feel isolated. That you know, not many people are prepared to stand up and um, say no. And of course, when it's just you thinking that, it feels very lonely and very uh, impossible to to do. People just sort of trudge mm. along, and they've got mortgages to pay, they've got kids mm. to feed, and all the rest of it. Uh, so I can see how it works, and I'm in no way um, criticizing. I'm being very sympathetic, I hope, to the experience of teachers. But it ain't great. <laughs> That's the truth of it. And they deserve better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, that's okay. Well, so so in amongst that, endeavouring to do the best for children in the classroom as a school leader and now um, helping schools um, more widely. Um, uh, uh, next question is uh, slightly unfairly phrased, but I'll go for it anyway. What's your biggest failure um, over that journey through education and what did you learn from it? How long you got? <laughs> um, I, you know, I could, I could probably... And I think like a lot of people, particularly in education, uh, could probably reel off a huge long list for you of, of things that I didn't um, succeed with. I think as a general overall thing over my career, the biggest you know, sort of consistent failure was probably, I look back with some regret at some of the kids that came through either my class or the school that I was leading. And I didn't really... I identify a, a special need or a, a particular situation that was going on. I didn't really get it right for them and that that stings a little bit when you look back and you know and I guess the the learning that come, came from all of those situations and I like to think I, I tried to be a, um, a, a persistent learner was that um, you know I, I don't know everything and I need to know more about stuff so kids that came through and in the early days we were going back to the 90s of course, autism was a thing, but it was much less understood in schools. And kids that came through were um, <clears throat> particularly the, the 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 less extreme cases, shall we say. These kids were were not really understood, and the provision in schools was not great for them. And I look back at kids, and I think of Liam and Sophie and various other kids from from over, well over twenty years ago, and I sort of wince a little bit because I I feel sad that we didn't get it right for them, but purely because we didn't know, not because we were. We were bad people. So it was a case of learning more about um, different um, uh, disorders or, 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 or difficulties that kids might have. And as the information came on, the learning was you need to keep abreast of what's going on. You need to keep informed. You need to keep your mind open. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess one of the last things that we were looking at um, when I was head teacher in the school last few years there, we did a lot more on um, you know, attachment theory. And, uh, and for example, which mm -hmm. was relatively new to a lot of uh, of teachers and was very eye-opening and actually made us consider other children uh, across the school with a different perspective so it was all useful so I guess the that general failing was missing the, the, the particular needs of individuals the learning was keep your mind open and keep learning don't think don't ever think you know it all as a more specific I guess a failure was I, I give myself a bit of a hard time for not being brave enough as a head teacher I had I had a dream, I had an idea, um, and I understand the situation and it wasn't necessarily doable, but on reflection, I wish I'd been braver. I wish I'd stuck at it and, um, yeah, seen it through. That's probably, um, that was probably a fail. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, well I, I think it's quite a, um, I mean, the insights about, um, the, your first point, I think, chime with will chime with many, and and I, my instinctively would say that that what you just said at the end there maybe a bit a, a bit unfair, and maybe my question's a bit unfair, but um, but you clearly uh, you know have taken taken things from it, and 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 you know I think would you say that uh, even though you perhaps feel that way about head, your time as head teacher. You've learned from some of those things, and you've taken it into. What oh, you're absolutely, doing now. absolutely, yeah. And, and every day gives you opportunities to learn something new or to reflect and think back. So, I, I don't want to give the impression that I sit here weeping 
about how badly I did. I know that I did some things that were really lovely and very successful. Um, and I know that I always did it with, with, you know, with honesty and authenticity. I just think sometimes, you know, I just wish, oh, maybe that had been different. I could have done that. Um, and I could have sort of stuck to it and, and, and defended my wonderful colleagues and the beautiful children a little bit um, harder. I, I kind of ran out of, I got, I got beaten by it to a certain extent, but yeah, yeah, I've t picked up a lot of, um, of really valuable reflection points that I, I like to think that when I speak to, to head teachers and, and teachers now, um, I draw on those to offer them um, comfort and courage. And, you know, you, you don't have to, to win every race to be a, a great athlete, if you like. And I, you know, I didn't win that particular mm. race and create this, you know, Shangri-La school that was just going to have everything rocking. Um, we did a lot of really good stuff that I can share with other colleagues. You know, we did a, a huge amount on the prioritization of personal development above, uh, you know, curriculum standards. Uh, I'm, you know, so I'm proud of some of the things that we did achieve. And I know that they're really valuable lessons and insights to, to share with, with colleagues um, professionally and personally, you know, it's, um, you know, going forward. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Well, it's funny you should say that you'd end that comment with that, that, that perspective actually, because my next question is what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career in education? Okay. Um, what advice would I give them? Um, I would probably stress that, number one, it's not all about you. Um, you are going into a, a profession of service, and, and it's service to others. And I don't mean that in the sense that I think teachers go around are just bigging themselves up. But I think, you know, do not fall into the trap of, of you know, discipline and structure and order that puts you at the at the center of the stage because you're not you're the director of the performance that is your classroom um and the director's never seen and uh you know they get occasional you know a little bit in the credits at the end but you are you are not there to be the the main actor it's and and it's not about what you need to get out of the classroom it's what your kids need to get out of it now you can get it right for everybody don't get me wrong but my i guess my advice would be if you succeed in getting it right for your children and parents and colleagues, then it will automatically be right for you. And if it doesn't feel right for you because you're getting it right, then you're probably not in the right job. Um, so, yeah, that would be so it's not all about you and probably more relating to my own experience. You know, that my, my grandma, most people's grandmas used to say, you know, unto thyself be true. What do you what do you stand for what do you believe in what do you think is right and that will then stand up for it you know um i think you know it's it's really important to know what your you know your 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 your, your, your why what's your why why are you a teacher and you know what you know mm -hmm. you can get mm -hmm. onto the you know what you do and how you do it after that but why are you why do you want to do this and once you've answered that question deeply inside yourself i think that the rest of your career will be um, a much more magical experience. Uh, it's really, you know, I, there was, as, as I say, some people will know that whilst I was a head teacher, I stood for parliament on, on two occasions. And this isn't a political bit, don't panic. Um, 
but yeah, but obviously some people in the school community agreed with what I was standing for and others didn't. And I really had to stress that this is this actually wasn't about the politics from a school point of view. This was about sending a message to young people um, that you should believe in something. You should and you should have a core set of beliefs yeah, yeah. that you are prepared to stand up for and and you know and defend. And you should be constantly trying to push yourself into new things. That was the rationale. I never spoke to the children once about the particular persuasion of my political, you know, uh, candidacy. They clearly knew it because it was in their constituency. My beautiful face came through their door on a leaf. Um, uh, some enjoyed <laughs> and some didn't comment on, shall we say? Um, but that isn't the the point. And I had to, and parents. They were very good. I have to give them credit for that. When I explained, it's about belief standing up for something and pushing yourself into new experiences they they were very uh, sympathetic to that way of describing it and that's what i would say to to teachers know what you know what you stand for know what you believe in and be prepared to fight for it love it i love it absolutely and and, and so given that advice given the approach that you've described given the passion for authenticity and children and mm -hmm. standing up for things what resources what resources have helped you along the um, way then, Paul? okay well i've never really been a great one for if you sense like published resources so i've, I've always kind of shied away and had a, a slight distaste for schemes of work and, and those sort of you know big publishing houses stuff having said that i do have to give a little bit of a nod i guess going back 20 odd years to the um Actually, the, the, the numeracy strategy, when that came in, because I at school, I, see, I always got maths and I never had to really think about it. So I didn't I'd never really unpicked what was happening because it just kind of made sense up to the level that I did it, which was O level. I did start A level, but that was one of the main reasons I left. Um, and the uh, so actually the numeracy strategy was a really good experience of going through to unpick my math. I think that gave me a deeper understanding and made me a better teacher of maths which I thought previously I've been quite good at but actually I think I became a lot better so a little bit of a nod and credit to a a proper published resource um I I think you know mm -hmm. in terms of uh, uh books that I've drawn a lot from probably you know sort of Ken Robinson Carol Dweck uh Andy Cope that I would probably reference at some point in the conversation um and people like Richard Gerver's uh creating tomorrow schools today was a I remember reading that and taking some courage from it. So there were things like that. And I think, it, although it's maybe a little bit um, cliched, but probably the biggest resource I've had, um, and though I didn't know it at the time, it was actually the, the kids I was working with. Um, it's in a sense without, again, without deliberately doing it, they showed me what they needed. They, they kind of gave me usually unwittingly the uh, uh, feedback on a, on a constant level. Uh, they yeah they kept me young they kept me sane but they 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 kept me wanting to improve because they were so lovely as all kids are um, particularly the ones that are unlovable <laughs> yeah, they're the, yeah they're the, the the ones that you really I think learned so much from the kids that were really struggling and making um, you know making a bit of a mess of stuff because of whatever was going on I think they were the biggest resource that I could um, would to go to go back to they kept me where I needed to be, which was inside the head of a young learner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. And those things in combination um, uh, clearly made a big difference. Uh, you've mentioned some people uh, already, but okay. I would pin you down now, Paul, if I may. Uh, three people. 
just the three who've been most influential on you over this period that we've been. Well, there's about. this guy I used to work with. What was his name? Higgs, I think it was. He was gorgeous. In one, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, uh, I'll yeah, settle for okay, number four. Okay. I'll be number four on your list. Okay. Who are the, who are the um, other three? My mind immediately goes back to my first teaching partner, a woman called uh, Angela. Uh, we're still friends. She's nearly 80 now. And so she was a really experienced teacher in a in the school that I actually had my final teaching practice and then got my first gig um, in Whitney in West Oxfordshire. She was just, you know, there's, there's no surprise that her name includes the words angel. She she is just the most wonderful person. Um, uh, humble, committed, kind, generous, all those other qualities that you just look at these people and you think, yeah, yeah, you're all right. And and I just loved working with her. She was so supportive. She was uh, she showed me so many things without knowing it. Um, it was never for her own sort of self-aggrandizement. It was always with profound humility. Um, she, yeah, beautiful person. Um, so she certainly is always going to be on that list. Uh, who else have we got? I think actually I just made reference to um, Andy Cope, and I think. He's probably sort of directly and indirectly had a huge influence. I first um, connected with Andy probably, I don't know now what we're talking about, seven or eight years ago. I've been following him for a bit on on, on Twitter. He, uh, for people who don't know, he's the guy that sort of was uh, setting up the the art of being brilliant is the book and the whole series of books that have come from that. And the art of brilliance is the organization. I, I now do some training with them and, you know, I, like to consider myself um, a friend of his and um, but he's the way that he took a potentially really complicated and, and difficult subject matter of positive psychology and and well-being and turned it into something that was really accessible we did it in school um, it was just beautifully done and yeah he's a, he's a he's a smart guy and he's a very kind and generous person as well so again it's that themes coming through um, people that are you know maybe giving more than they're taking. I quite like people like that. And I, I aspire to be like them. So they teach me a lot. Uh, I guess my third choice would have to be probably a bunch of people that might remain nameless um, who taught me how not to do things. I think they were, they were a big influence. If you okay. know what I mean, there's a, and okay. I'm not going to, you know, start mithering about people, but there were, you know, you know, the head teachers who didn't understand about relationships, avoided parents, ruled you know uh ruled in a very sort of remote way teachers that were i don't know i don't know why they were bothering um and they ruled their classes with fear and aggression um and they were you know and all these professionals i've worked with that were constantly looking looking backwards instead of looking forwards and i just used to look at these people and think crikey whenever mm -hmm. i get the chance you know i used as a new teacher and luckily i started working with a with a, a lovely head teacher so I'm, this isn't a there's no direct correlation to me but, but obviously you you look at other schools and you you listen to other stories and you just sort of start thinking you know when I get the chance if ever I get the chance I'm not going to do that or that or that um so I think those people um you know whether it was let's say dodgy head teachers uh, unhappy class teachers um uh local authority people that were just sort of swallowing you know drinking the kool-aid and just reeling it out rather than believing anything that they were saying all those ones i just thought you know yeah 
that's how not to do it. Um, and I, but I don't want to be taken from that that I think that all head teachers, all teachers, all local authority people are blah blah blah. Yeah, but that's not my point. But there are some examples I could pick yeah. out from all of those groups. No, no, no. Where I just think, you know, you're not my cup of tea. And but I am grateful that you've taught me what I don't want to be. So does that count? No, it's interesting. I, 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 I said. To say, does that count? Go on, as a, sorry. As a choice. I, I will allow that because the question is about influential, yeah. not the, your three top people. So, uh, so fair enough. Okay, so um, you mentioned uh, why you have endeavoured to do what you do um, already, um, and you spent some considerable time in education and around schools. What's one common myth about education that you would take the opportunity to debunk today? Okay. I think there's a few. Um, I think <laughs> um, I think probably the biggest one that's having the, the biggest and, and sort of widest impact um, in this country. Because, you know, a lot of the work that I get to, to do nowadays involves working and collaborating with schools around the world. So I feel privileged to have had an insight into how other people are doing things. Um, and some of that's great and some of it's, you know, not so great. Some of it's better than the UK and other times it's it's nowhere near as good so it's a very mixed experience but it's a really valuable experience and I think probably on a sort of local you know uh, English education uh, system I would probably say the biggest myth is that it's not all about the exams and the traditions and the old ways of doing things and actually um, we would probably be uh, serving ourselves and our, our, our communities better if we were prepared to be a bit more disruptive if you like um and you know i, I currently mm -hmm, I, I, mm -hmm. I felt for a long time that we spend a lot of time educating children for our past and not their future and it's a little sort of a little line that i trot out i find myself doing it quite a lot but actually uh, it just feels more and more true that the, the more i look at what's happening in schools in in this country good and bad and and around the world um so yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. This sort of these, there is no evidence specifically as such, and you know the only evidence I have is that schools that I go to around Europe, you know, most of them don't have uniforms, and we're kind of hung up on oh, it's a, it's a good thing, you know, the way people approach things like homework, um, curriculum content, teacher um, uh, autonomy, and things like that. So, you know, I think we need to um, you know. Uh, most schools in, in around Europe, the kids are calling the teachers by the first name and they're not rioting and gobbing at them and, and not learning. They're doing fine. So I think we need to be more open to um, doing what is hardest for so many humans is to uh, engaging with change and, and disrupting things. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, that would probably be what it is. It's the biggest myth is that, you know, the a traditional model is, is uh, the best model. That was, yeah, I'll smash that one. That'll, that'll take it. Uh, if I could get more controversial, yeah, obviously I would, um, you know, I would go down lines of, you know, I don't know, um, that schools <laughs> are appropriate places to indoctrinate children about particular faiths, for example. That might be one that I would, uh, uh, and uh, you know, have a, have a go at, but I'm not going to. I'll stick with um, the, 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 the traditionalist myth is the one that I would probably take a stick to first. Right, so we'll take that. We'll take that. Okay. So I've been asking questions. So, um, if you were um, 
stepping into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I haven't okay. asked? Okay. Um, probably something along the lines of, you know, what was your, what was your happiest moment or what, which all the aspects of school which bring most joy, something like that, maybe. Um, uh, uh, Cause I think, you know, we, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really valuable. Um, definitely. I would want, you know, be talking about what's the, you know, what you think the most important subject in at school is or, or taking that to a different angle, maybe what's the least valuable thing that you did in school. Um, I mean, I think, and I'm you, but I think also as, as a teacher, but okay. also as a, as yeah, a student yeah. myself, what was the, you know, what did you learn at school that's been utterly pointless? <laughs> Would be um, uh, quite useful. Okay. I think, you know, <clears throat> again, a lot of our minds might go back to, we'd automatically jump into various strands of, of the maths curriculum for, you know, um, but there are other things that you, you get taught at school that have um, never, ever returned to anybody's life since. Um uh, yeah, yeah. One of those things that'd be fun. To sort of, you know, what is, when you look, what do you look back and cringe? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, but, some, but probably I would, I would, yes. I would plump yes. for um, yes. something of a more positive uh, nature of you know what, what what's give, what's brought you most joy. What are you proudest of? What you what makes you happy? I have an okay, uh, go on then. One in one in one sentence. What would your answer be? <sighs> You know, I, I, I'm quite lucky in that I have got a sort of an eye on and or a, a, an insight into some of the kids that I knew when they were eight, nine, ten, or whatever, or younger, um, of how their lives have progressed. And I think seeing um, what I knew as, as kind of little kids as adults, um, and many of them, of course, you know, kids I taught were are in their thirties now with with families and, and, you know, and, and proper grown up lives. I think seeing that and just that sort of feeling that there were little bits of them, there are little things that they know and can do because I, I showed them. I, that probably brings, brings me the, the warmest feeling that, yeah, that you can see that, you know, and again, it's, mm-hmm. it, I feel almost, I feel quite cheesy even thinking that I'm about to say it, but this, for me, this education bit is about, you know, it's being the person who sows the, the seeds of trees in whose shade I will never sit. Right. And I think oh, that's given that. me the most pleasure knowing that love I'm that. doing something positive that will have no direct benefit to me but exclusively for someone else and, and some other lives and some other worlds. And that for me, yeah, that's where it goes. Yeah. My stuff. <laughs> I would love that. Love that. Paul, where can people connect? Uh, well, very you? soon, um, and within a couple of weeks is, is the current plan, there will be a website, fieldeducation.co.uk. Uh, I am... Yeah, on not especially active on, on twitter which is uh, at field education instagram i think that's just i think it's just field education or maybe field underscore education i ought to know um no i think the twitter is the field okay. underscore education okay. but just look for it there's you you'll see it um again we're setting up a little facebook group um or page whatever it's called and of course you know anybody who wants to have a little chat about anything whether it's work or just for 
just for some stuff. And obviously, Paul at fieldeducation.co.uk will get through to me. Oh, brilliant. Okay, Paul at fieldeducation.co.uk yeah, on the email as well. Great. Super stuff. Brilliant. Paul, uh, thank you so much for your time. It just leaves me to ask my, 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 my final question, which listeners, if they've listened before, will know is my right. secret source question. Um, and it is, it is the following. What do you do every day, every week, okay. and every term? <laughs> um, so I sort of, I'm trying to, I'll try and give a sort of a, a, an answer that includes, because obviously this has got an educational theme to it. So I, I draw a little bit from what did I do every day? What, week and every term. Yeah, absolutely when I was in school yeah, yeah, uh, and maybe in my own uh, life now. I think in school as a head teacher, the, the ambition, it was never always achieved clearly because it wasn't practical, but the ambition was always every classroom every day. So it was to be a, a real living, breathing presence in uh, each classroom uh, on a daily basis. That basically formed the the overwhelming majority of my you know uh, performance management and taking the temperature across the school of being in there. Um, in, my, in my own life, I think every day I take time to sit and, and think, uh, and I create that time to dream and just imagine. And I don't feel guilty about just sitting still for a short while. That's probably um, a now have it every week mm -hmm. um i think in school what would i do i think again the first thing that comes into my mind is that i would make sure when i got to the end of the week i was very easily able to say that i'd made someone feel special and i'd shared something beautiful wonderful great about another adult with the others so that there was that yeah, I think it was a personal instinct to try and deflect things away. I was never very comfortable in the head teacher's seat, if I'm completely honest. I, you know, I've never had a need to be in charge, and I always was trying to find ways of actually um, highlighting the, 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 my point that this was about us. And it, yeah, and I didn't want to be the centre of. I know I had to at some points be the the front man for the for the band, but actually it was a band, and the, and the music wouldn't sound right if everyone wasn't playing their instrument well. And I wanted to pick out you know the, the triangle player or the you know or the the, the quiet um saxophonist or whatever no, they're not quiet are they but you know what i mean the heart so that was something every week i would certainly make that an effort uh each term i i think I've, I've kind of referenced it earlier the in school it was very much uh, that when we were doing you know uh, termly reviews and evaluations that to ensure that that started with um you know, whether that was a governor's report or a, a leadership team review or a, what were they called pupil progress meetings that was it wasn't it um that that would start with our sort of self-made but highly valuable personal development measure and that we would talk about the individuals uh that we were evaluating and not the data so i think that was something that um, that's my uh mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that was a bit salty so that's and it wasn't a secret so it's half it's answer I love it. You can't, yeah. You can't beat a bit of secret sauce. I love it. I think I, 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 it's the sort of thing that sometimes, um, yeah, we don't we don't always talk about it, and it's good to hear about what how, how as much about how other people go about things as a, uh, as it is about what yeah. they've actually got up to uh, as well. So, so that's great. Love that. Love that. Um, 
really going to. I'm going to. You're very little welcome. notes gone in my own <laughs> journal there, Paul. So thank you very much. Um, Paul Field, thank you so much for your time today. Really no, appreciate. What a wonderful time! It's a great on, thing you do, man. I'm really, podcast. really pleased for you. Um, Proud of it. Great stuff. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Appreciate the um, b- b- being number four <laughs> on your influential list as well. Um, and um, stay safe at this time. Look after yeah, yourself. Care, and, Have a great uh, day. and all the best. Bye now.